This is Footy Time with Daniel Andrews, and as always, I'm joined on the other line by Johnny Raff. How's it going, Johnny? Oh, it's grand final week, and it's good to get stuck into a few great memories from grand finals of yesteryear. Yes, absolutely. So those of you who have been listening to the podcast from its first incarnation where we were reviewing uh, some of the old grand finals, you'll know that I have been to quite a few of them. And yeah, I guess grand finals is kind of my thing. Not that going you know, for Melbourne's not my thing, but if I had to have an extra thing, it would be uh, you know <laughs> really enjoying and valuing what happens on grand final day and reliving some of these great moments. So what I've done for this episode is basically gone back over the last 10 years uh, from 2011 to 2020 and tried to rank these grand finals from uh, up to the number one, I suppose. And uh, quick uh, mention on some of the criteria I used, the quality of play, how high the skill level is, uh, how hard fought the contest is. Obviously, it's going to be a big bearing on uh, you know whether we think it's a good game or not. Uh, star players mark, making their mark. So, you know, you want big players to be standing up in grand finals and doing their thing and uh, just woven in there as well. A little bit of historical significance never hurts. Hey, Johnny. No, not at all. Not at all. I think it's a good criteria. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Let's jump straight into it. So the 10th or last ranked grand final. I don't think there'll be too many prizes for guessing this. It goes to 2019, Richmond versus GWS. So really it was only a contest for about a quarter. Uh, so GWS actually had the better of this quarter, funnily enough. And they uh, did take a seven-point lead into quarter time, but just before quarter time, I can't remember whether it was a free kick or just a really big contest on half forward just before the quarter time siren, Richmond won that and then got a goal right on the stroke of quarter time. And it had been when GWS had had basically all the play and really not much to show for it. So I remember thinking at the time, yeah, this is really not good for GWS. <laughs> and so it proved the next quarter, mm. five goals to none. And yeah, game over. Final margin, 89 points. GWS only managed 3725 for the day, really not much went right and uh, Richmond had their way with the GWS side who was playing here in their first grand final. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's great, wasn't it? Um, this is the worst grand final I've ever seen and let's talk about something else. <laughs> I can leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing much to say. I mean, Dustin Martin, fantastic as usual, as he always was, but I can't remember any grand final less than this one. And I wasn't even that drunk that day. Yeah. <laughs> Best thing about the Giants making the grand final was the fact that the team song was getting a run <laughs> with everything. It was all the all those. I definitely agree with that. The big big sound memes going around, and they have got a very good song. So, you know, everyone was. You'd getting love to sing that. it if you're a player. Yeah, yeah, it's an awesome song. Yeah, especially after a big win for like the new songs that have been introduced in the last what like twenty or thirty years. I'd say this one is actually right up there. So they've got a good I agree. song. <laughs> I definitely agree. All right, let's move to the next one. So there are some slightly, uh, yeah, they can't all be great games. So we're going to get through some of these. So No, of course. Ninth, 2015, Hawthorne versus West Coast. Again, it's a largely a no contest. So 
Hawks extend their lead throughout. So go from 19 at quarter time, 31 at half time, and 46 at full time. Really, the main thing to take from this, other than the Hawks, you know, doing their three peat, is the fact that Sil Rioli, of all people, wins the Nom Smith medal, an absolute masterclass, kicking goals, uh, setting up goals, using his speed, tackling. It was an absolute masterclass from Sirioli, probably one of his best games, and to do it in a grand final was pretty special. So that alone was almost enough for it to bump it up a spot. But yeah, it was just a comprehensive whitewash of a grand final, really. Yeah, look, this is definitely a step up from the last one we talked about, at least. I mean, it wasn't great, but it definitely is a step up. Uh, yeah, look... It was a, an interesting start. Uh, yeah, Cyril was on early. But, the, you know, the Hawks got out a bit. There was a moment, though, where West Coast kicked a few in a row, and I think they drew, they brought the lead back to about 20-something from about 40-something, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they did kick three and or then, four in a row, I think, so. Yeah, and then Jack Darling had that famous dropped chest mark. Oh, and yeah killed the momentum completely. I think that would have, I don't know if they would have gotten right back into it, but it would have kept the momentum going. I felt like the momentum just got sucked out completely then. And that was it. Yeah. It's hard when a team's up by, you know, 40 points and the other team kicks a couple of goals. It's hard to know whether, you know, it's just has one team like left, let the foot off the pedal a little bit and given them a bit of a chance. I think, like you, you never quite know because you know Darling drops the mark, but I do think the Hawks had all the answers on this day. But you're right, they did come back oh, at sure. some stage. Yeah, for sure. And what you, with what you're saying, even more so in grand finals, I think, and finals really. I mean, it's it's hard, hard to, to overturn yeah, big leads. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There is a stat. I think I don't know how far back it goes, but there's only been one team that has won. Uh, the grand final after trailing at three quarter time in like the last twenty wow. or twenty five years, so it just doesn't happen. I'm not sure what the no. halftime stats are, but yeah, I think crazy. Even yeah, even Sydney in 2012, I think were winning by one point and they end up winning that game. So it's been a long time. I can't even remember which game it is, but I think there's been about one in the last twenty years or so <laughs> where the team leading at three quarter time has actually lost. I had no idea about that. So that that's amazing. We'll have to try and find uh, find out who that team was, especially if the uh, tables turn in this game that we're leading up to in the grand <laughs> final. But we'll try and find that out for the next episode. Yes. All right. Eighth in this list of these grand finals goes to the Hawks as well. So 2014, second in their stretch of three here. So this was against the Sydney Swans. So funnily enough... The Hawks actually started underdogs in this game, which was kind of strange. <laughs> I think Sydney mm. had had a really uh, good year. They had a really well-functioning forward line. Buddy Franklin had kicked a lot of goals. They did finish on top with 17 wins, but both Hawthorne and Geelong also had 17 wins, just slightly lower percentage. So for whatever reason, Sydney were favourites. I do actually remember putting a bet on Haw- the Hawthorne Hawks for this game because I thought, you know, a pretty good bet. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, I, actually. yeah, the Hawks just hit them with everything they had in a brutal first quarter. I think Luke Hodge, 
in particular had some pretty big hits in this first quarter and kicked yes. a goal or two as well. And he was a judge best on ground for an absolute four-quarter effort. And uh, yeah, 63-point win. I think you could actually argue that this was even more of a no contest than 2015. I guess I the only reason I had this ranked higher was because Hawthorne were the underdogs, which I think is a little bit more impressive. Yeah, you could definitely argue that. Uh, this was actually... Believe it or not, one of uh, Buddy Franklin's better games in grand finals. I think he kicked four. Uh, but he also had that moment where I think Luke Hodge uh, kissed him on the cheek or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, in the game. That, that yeah. was that was kind of funny. But, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, a bit disappointing from the Swans. And uh, very impressive premiership from the Hawks. That was a very difficult year. I think that was the year that Alistair Clarkson got sick and had to hand over to Bolt, Brennan Bolton for a few games. Yeah, yeah, he was out for uh, a good nine weeks. I think it was quite a while. Yeah, um, that definitely took a lot of resilience to get on, back on track and, and win that flag. So, I think one of the thing, other things that really impressed me about this game was just to see a brutal dismantling by an underdog in a grand final, like in a first quarter like that. It was really something to behold. But yeah, I guess you could have had these last two games either way around. Would you have had? The West Coast or the Sydney Grand Final, higher ranked here. Hmm. I actually don't mind the way you've had it, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think I remember a little bit more about this one. <laughs> That's probably a good sign. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not... No, nah, not fast with that. All right, let's get going. Seventh. Okay, so the standard really starts to lift here. So this goes to 2017, Richmond versus Adelaide. So really enjoyable first quarter. Both teams playing at a pretty high level and Adelaide do actually take an 11-point lead into quarter time. It's quite fast and furious style in this first quarter from both teams. And uh, yeah, Richmond really struggled to get a foothold in this first half. But I think in the second half of the second quarter, you could just tell stuff was starting to click for them a little bit. And they did get the last couple of goals on the quarter. And... uh, reduced the margin down to nine points. And uh, I remember thinking going into halftime, and I think my mate Watson, who's a Richmond supporter, had a similar feel. You just feel like Richmond had taken Adelaide's best shot. And they were at this point in time, they were an awesome second-half team. And they, were almost, they almost had this style of they just took whatever the opposition you know, could throw at them. And then at some point in the second half, they broke you. And uh, this is exactly what happened in this game. They took Adelaide's best shot. They came into the game in the second quarter. And uh, yeah, the painting was on the wall that uh, it was going to be a very hard second half for Adelaide. And that is exactly what happened. 10 goals to four after halftime. And uh, yeah, Richmond end that 37-year drought from 1980. And uh, Dusty puts Norm Smith number one around the neck. Interesting. Interesting grand final, this one. I, yeah, like I thought the Crows started well, especially when Sloan kicked that first goal. But I don't know. There was never really any part of this game where I thought I was convinced about Adelaide winning it. I'm not sure. I just... Yeah, I agree with that. I just didn't feel it. They didn't... They were getting goals, but 
I don't exactly know how to describe it. It just didn't look like there was much system behind it. The ball just sort of seemed no. to be falling for them, and it wasn't falling for Richmond. And as soon as the game sort of just came back a little bit more into normality, you, you felt Richmond sort of had them. Yeah, and I thought uh, it, the Richmond had more of the, the big moments. I think uh, there was a, a moment, I think, was it the third quarter, I think, uh, Rance just made this huge spoil oh, on yeah, Taylor Walker. Awesome. Yeah. That was just, oh, it was definitive. It was like, wow. I, I just, they just looked like they wanted it more. Uh, they had some guys who really chipped in. I mean, you thought at this point, uh, Richmond were a good side that year, but they, you didn't look at them the same way as you did a few years later where they were such a great unit. I, I definitely still looked at this team as, uh, a great top five on the list, but then the rest were honest players kind of riding the wave of confidence. It didn't feel like they were the finished product yet. I'll agree with that. Not quite. But having said that, guys like Jacob Townsend, Jack Graham, just putting in these massive efforts that day. And uh, Dan Butler was great as well. Um, yeah, I really wasn't happy the day that this happened. because <laughs> I just didn't. I was getting a bit sick of seeing other clubs break premiership drafts, uh, yeah. but I couldn't begrudge it. They were fantastic. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, even in the lead up to this grand final, I was never convinced. Uh, people were saying, oh, Adelaide's the favourites. Yeah. yeah, Adelaide this, Adelaide that. I just couldn't really visualise it. I just, and I thought at the MCG as well, Richmond were playing the G better than anyone around that time. Yeah. I think it's oh, fantastic. a little bit similar to that Sydney Hawthorne grand final the fact that Sydney were favourites basically on the back of having a really good forward line. And I think that's kind of what Adelaide was favourites on the back of. They had scored a lot all year. They had, you know, Tex Walker, Eddie Betts, Charlie Cameron, really dangerous forward line. But I think if you look back through history, a dangerous forward line usually isn't enough to actually win you the game. It's usually about, you know, which team's cracking in harder, which team, you know, is going to put, more pressure on and can just, you know, grind it out a bit. You, you don't win grand finals with a pretty looking forward line. No, no, you don't. And it is about the grind. It is about grand finals are about which team is toughest the longest. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And yeah, that, 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 that did have a good forward line. There's no doubt about that. They had a reasonable back line. However, a lot of those players had shockers, uh, Jake Lever did not play a good grand final that day. <laughs> very young, but uh, that would be yeah. Yes, but look, yeah, I and mean, it was a very good effort from Richmond. Yeah, I did like seeing Richmond break this drought. I know you could be a bit bitter as a Melbourne supporter the fact that you know they did it and Melbourne didn't, and they kind of came from nowhere this season. Like ten rounds in, no one thought Richmond was going to do anything. I think they were about you know five and five, or they might have even been behind the ledger. So it just sort of came out of nowhere, and. Uh, yeah, I remember, I don't think we actually put this bet on, but I remember about halfway through the season, my mate Watson basically goes, yeah, like, uh, we should make a bet for who's going to win the premiership first out of Melbourne and Richmond. And, like, you know, it was ba- you could basically argue at that point that Melbourne was as likely to win it as Richmond, and we know how bad yep. Melbourne was back then. So, like, it just shows you how absurd it was that Richmond actually turned it around and did it so quickly in this year. 
Well, I thought the Anzac Eve game that year was one of the defining moments of this whole thing. And there's another sliding doors moment. And we were up by like 22 points at the record of time and kind of ran out of legs. And that, I think Richmond went 5-0 and after that night. They then went on a bit of a losing streak, as you mentioned before. But uh, that was a big night. I, I kind of felt like if we won that night, there might have been a little bit of a... Yeah, sliding doors moment. And Melbourne, I don't think we were that far off. I'm probably a bit unfair on Melbourne there. They weren't actually that bad in 2017. They, you could see they weren't the finished product or nowhere near it. But yeah. there were glimpses of a good side was emerging. Definitely, definitely. But uh, look, eventually, I was definitely happy for Richmond friends. But uh, no, not in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing you wouldn't have had this one higher up your list. Um. Probably not. I I don't think this like the first half was interesting, but I, I didn't think it was really. I don't. Yeah, I thought it was just a comprehensive Richmond win, really, in the end. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's at a good spot. I did kind list. of flirt with putting it slightly higher, but yeah, I think just because of how comprehensive that second half was in particular, uh, it can't get any higher than seventh. Look, you know, I wouldn't have argued if it was a spot higher, but I think it's at a good spot. <laughs> All right, let's go to sixth. So now we're going to 2013, Hawthorne versus Fremantle. So just for a little bit of context here, Hawthorne hadn't won a grand final since their upset win in 2008, and they'd really been one of the dominant sides from 2011 right through to 2013, banking plenty of regular season wins, but not able to get over the line in a grand final. And of course, Frio had never won one. Um, looking back on it, it was actually quite a low scoring opening half, 5-5-35, the Hawks to 1-6-12. I remember in this first quarter, Five had a couple of shots from 45 and absolutely sprayed them horribly. So I think if he'd yeah. taken either one or two of those, then uh, it could have been a bit of a different story for Fremantle. But they're a tough team, obviously, Ross Lyon coached and even though they were down by, uh, what is it, 23 points here, like you didn't really feel that like they were completely out of the game, even though they'd only kicked one goal in a whole half. And yeah, they showed what they were made of in the second half, in particular in the third. I think they outscored Hawthorne by a couple of goals and slammed on quite a few. And uh, yeah, it really did put Hawthorne uh, to, through a bit of a scare at various stages in the second half. And yeah, the Hawks just had enough when they needed it bit of class and uh yeah did just enough but I feel like this game is kind of right on the edge I don't feel like Hawthorne really completely took this game away from Fremantle and I feel like if Fremantle could have just had the game on their terms for a little bit longer they might have actually found a way to win this because they had you know big Sandy in the ruck they probably had the better midfield on paper and um had a dangerous forward line it was quite an interesting game not necessarily um the way it played out, but it was really just hard to pick what was actually going on at different points in time, and uh, you never quite knew who was going to win, although it always did look like Hawthorne was more likely. It was just, yeah, I don't know how you saw this one, Johnny. It was a hard one for me to place. I was happy that Hawthorne won because I thought they deserved it after being so good for so long, but yeah, Frio did put up a really good fight here, and you know, they knocked off Geelong, I think, earlier in the final series, and that was a really good win. And they were a hard team to play against. And maybe Frio supporters would think they didn't necessarily bring their best effort on this grand final day, but they definitely made Hawthorne earn it. Yeah. Um, 
with you. This is a very hard grand final to to place, but it was definitely it wasn't a bad one. Um, yeah, I think it was the second quarter where Frio just yeah, you're right. Fife sprayed a few shots. I think Main might have missed one or two. He actually did kick a nice goal though as well. But um, Main, uh, uh, who else? I think. Uh, I think Crowley might have missed one as well. Just some really good opportunities. While Hawthorne were clinical, Jack Gunston was fantastic. Uh, he kicked four goals. Was there a little bit of dew on the ground that day? Was it not wet, but just a little bit, little dewy? Could have been, yeah. Yeah, I thought Jack Gunston was great. I remember thinking in those conditions, I thought he was really clinical. Uh, easily could have won the norm, to be honest. Um, yeah, look... This Frio side, uh, we talk about how you know Melbourne puts great pressure on and has a great defensive system. I actually thought this Frio side had had something similar. They they had a backline that was just completely relentless. They did play Geelong down at uh, GMHBA Stadium in the qualifying final, and they got shell shocked Geelong just by these guys that no one was really expecting that much from guys like. Uh, you know, like Lee Spur, Matt DeBoer. Uh, I can't remember. There was a few, just a lot of these no-name guys. Like, uh, oh, who were some of the others? Like, yeah, I remember Spur absolutely yeah. just like playing like a man possessed and like throwing himself through and over opponents. And like the whole team was like that really. But yeah, yes. absolutely shell-shocked. <laughs> I remember that one in particular because, you know, Geelong had campaigned to make sure we get to the get home final at the Cattery and... Then Frio just came and wrenched it away from them, basically, and that was their path through to the grand final. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you had Zach Dawson as well uh, at his third club, Luke McFarlane. Uh, yeah, just relentless. They were just like uh, they they were like a crazy gang or something <laughs> like that. It was just it was really yeah. It was. I actually enjoyed watching the team. I like I. I I know a lot of people don't like Ross Lyon teams, but I actually enjoyed the way that they went about their footy and they were very hard to play against. So but how yeah, close do you think they actually got to winning this game? How close did they get? Um, uh, they were probably about 70% of the way there, I reckon. Uh, I just don't... They just... Look, the grand finals are about execution and... You know, they kicked eight goals, 14 on the day. I just, there's no game you're not gonna in win finals a game that, that you're going to yeah. win with that. Yeah, uh, I do agree. I actually think their midfield was easily as good as Hawthorne's uh, and it was flying at the time. Uh, you had the good mix. You had Mundy. You had, uh, who was that? There was that guy who was a real sort of hard at it midfielder. Uh, he ended up at GWS. I can't remember his name though. Oh, um, Palmer? Similar, Mazungu. Oh, Mazungu. Uh, yeah, I liked him. And obviously Fife in his Brownlow. Yeah. Fife, very very good form from Fife. Uh, you had guys who got under the opposition skin like Ballantyne. Uh, Walters was coming up and coming. I did actually kind of want the Dockers to win this because of Matthew Pavlich, but like you, I wasn't disappointed that Hawthorne got the job done. Michael Barlow was a Barlow. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked his story. I thought it was fantastic. This was a it was a good Frio side, but I think this was always Hawthorne's flag. Yeah, I don't think Frio would be 
that happy with the way they played. And uh, I do think with Hawthorne struggling to have, you know, got to the grand final in 2011 and not won in 2012, I think if Frio could have made this a bit closer, they would have had a really good chance to actually win it just with, uh, you know, Hawthorne having not got over the line and maybe some of those demons might have entered the heads. But they always just seem to have Frio at arm's length and did enough to uh, continue to, you know, stick in front and uh, get, get over the line in the end. You can definitely make an argument that this one was there for the taking. There's no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, there was just some really... I think Hawthorne had more of the better individual acts of brilliance. I mean, who could forget Isaac Smith's goal from outside 50 in that third quarter? All right, let's get going. So we've still got five more to go. So we're getting to, yeah, the cream of the crop here, top five. So this I go yeah. to last year, 2020. Geelong versus Richmond played at the Gabba. So Richmond going for back-to-back and uh, Geelong looking to win their first flag since 2011. A little while between drinks for a team that keeps making the top four. And yeah, it was just Mm. great to see a clash between two really big Victorian sides, even if it had to be played at the Gabba. Yep, yep. Uh, Strange situation. Uh, I guess... You know, we're a bit more conditioned to it for this year's grand final, but I thought it was really strange. I always thought the 91 grand final would have been really bizarre being out at Waverley, but this just, yeah. This is another that, level. <laughs> that was nothing compared to this. Um, yeah. yeah, you had a feeling this was going to be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. So it was tight and tough early, and uh, in one bit of play, I don't exactly remember the exact sequence of events, but basically Ablett pops out his shoulder, and Blostron is also off. I'm not sure whether he's concussed, but they both get injured in the same play. Some yep. brutal hits, not only in this bit of play, but throughout the first quarter. So, yeah, both teams cracking in, and, uh, yeah, definitely worthy of a grand final, the uh, commitment to the contest. This was a sickening clash, I thought. Uh, I wasn't happy to see Ablett injured so early in the game. Uh yeah, I just I was just one of those games. I really just wanted to see all the all the best of the best out there and giving it everything I got. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. A lot of people probably wouldn't have been unhappy with that, but I was really disappointed. Yeah, when it happened. obviously Ablett's last game as well, which yes, made yes. it all the more cruel. Uh, so it was really Geelong controlling the game into the second with uh, it was pretty even first quarter, but in the second they got three goals to one and built a 15-point lead, and it actually could have been better than this as well. The, the game really started mm. to be look like it was drifting for the Tigers here, and not in a good way. So it was three goals, and they probably had a chance to put on one or two more, although they were tricky shots that Geelong had there. But just before halftime, Dusty found a way to inject a bit of magic and uh, get one goal back, and that brought it back to that 15-point margin. And it just made it look a lot more manageable for the Tigers. It was a crucial, crucial goal at one. There's, I think we've said it before. There's just that. There's a little bit of a difference between, yeah, the the two and a bit goal lead and the three and a bit goal lead going into halftime. I don't know what it is, but that was a big team lift of that goal. And maybe this goes to something we've been talking about with Geelong as well. They pretty much had complete control in this quarter. Yet, how many yep. goals did they score? 
You don't? Yeah. This style does not put teams away. So they have the game on their terms. This was their quarter, This yeah. was their quarter, three goals to one. So what happens after half time? Well, yeah, it's all Richmond, basically. So they come out breathing fire. Game looks completely different. They've gone to another level with their attack on the ball and the clearances. Four goals to one. Some great play in this quarter from both teams, but it's obvious now that Richmond is getting on top and they take a two-point lead into three-quarter time, crucially, because we know that teams trailing at three-quarter time don't win grand finals. Yep, yep. How did you see that third quarter? Because I think, you know, it still looked like Geelong was kind of in the game, but you could really tell it was slipping. And, yeah, you could see signs that were just alarm bells for Geelong, the types of things Richmond was doing. And, yeah, they just couldn't couldn't get the game on their terms at all, it seemed. Yeah, look, you still you still definitely gave Geelong a chance, but oh, the momentum was fully with Richmond at that point. You knew they were up against it, the Cats. And so it proved with five goals to one in the last quarter and some absolutely ridiculous play from Dusty uh, with, I'm not sure how many goals he kicked, some absolutely ridiculous snaps. I think he sort of, the last one, he kind of was right near the boundary, roved off the yeah. pack, uh, the drop mark of, uh, I think it might have been Blitzarves in front. And yeah, basically no space near the boundary line, about to get tackled, just throws it on the boot over the shoulder and straight through the middle. This was Dusty's finest hour. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Four goals for the night. And yeah. When they needed him most to get over, you know, a season team in Geelong, he was the fire starter uh, in that second quarter when they got one back. And yeah, some hugely influential goals here. And his third Norm Smith medal. Yep. First yep. player in history to do that. That's great to see. Yeah, it was great to see. Um, yeah, look, an entertaining grand final. Had a lot of fire to it. Uh, but, yeah, look, as we said, Geelong, they really were on top in that second quarter. Uh, but three goals, three. Uh, if that was going to be their best patch of the game, then it's going to be hard to win. Yeah, absolutely. So I think maybe some people would rate this game a bit higher than I have, but I just think... Once you come out after halftime, although Geelong was still close in that third quarter, I could see the signs and, yeah, it just, to me, the st- not the sting going out of the game, but it just didn't have that ferocity of a contest at that point for me. I could just, yeah, it just looked to me like a Richmond game and just, it was only yeah. going to end one way. They totally lost control. Uh, like I said, you still gave them a chance, but... The moment the marbles were on Richmond's side of the fence. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go to fourth now. So getting right up there now. So this is probably a bit of a controversial one. So keen to get your thoughts on this journey, but we go to West Coast versus Collingwood. So obviously this is the 2018 Grand Final. And it's a one-point West Coast win. So just a quick recap, and then we'll go to the chat. Uh, Yeah, Collingwood slammed on five goals quickly in the first quarter. And uh, West Coast really are on the ropes here. They just managed to hang in there, getting some crucial goals late in that quarter. But, yeah, everything was falling for Collingwood, using their speed. And, uh, yeah, 
was looking pretty worrying for West Coast early, but the longer the game went, the more their tall forwards, Darling and Kennedy, came into it. Their dual rucks helping yep. as well with uh, Vardy, and uh, I'm not sure who the second one was. Um, but yeah, the tools, very influential there. And uh, just when you thought, you know, the game was going West Coast way, three quick goals to Collingwood at the start of the final quarter. And uh, I don't know what happened. You know, <laughs> Collingwood basically went missing. West Coast had all the play, point after point after point. They must have kicked a couple of goals to get it back to under a goal. But yeah, then it goes to that famous play that you rated number two, McGovern, Vardy, Ryan, Sheed, goal. Unbelievable game. Unbelievable game. And, uh, yeah, I, I still can't believe what happened in this as well. Like, there, there were there were so many things that happened in this. Uh, Collingwood got five goals in front in that first quarter. Uh, and, yeah, uh, there were so many moments. Um, there was the moment with the, the runner running across oh, the yeah, mark. Oh, that was terrible. And, uh, yeah, that... Yeah, there was that. Uh, Collingwood had the slender lead at half time. I remember it being level at three quarter time and thinking it's it's probably going to go either way. And Collingwood started off that quarter so well. I think did Majic kick the first two, or was it to Goey then Majic, something like that. Yeah, something. Um, and I just I honestly felt like this game had enough moments in it for two games. Like I just yeah, it was. It was incredible, and Mason Cox was was clutch. Uh, some of his set shots were amazing. <laughs> yeah, can you think why? Sh- can you think why I might have um, rated this game down from what some people would have? Um, that's a really good question. That's a really really good question. Uh, I think you. Oh, Maybe you would have liked a little bit more scoring. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> no um, I'm actually not sure. I, I'm actually, uh, I, I'm glad that it's at least in the top five. I probably would have had it top two, but you know that's all right. I, 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 I'm actually not sure. What, what, what would be the reason? What would be the reason? All right, yeah. So. I think the main thing is it's just a little bit of a lack of star power. So I'm not sure the game ever felt truly epic like the great grand finals are, whether that was just because of the, the teams that were in it or they weren't necessarily like the absolute stars of the competition in this game. And like you can argue that there are, but I don't know, just something about this game just doesn't quite feel as epic as it should. And I can't quite put my finger on what that might be. And you go through these, you know, phases. Uh, Collingwood jumps out. West Coast comes back. Uh, then it's sort of even. I think part of it is maybe like the passiveness of Collingwood as well. Like after they get out to that five-goal lead, I don't know whether the tactics change, but they, they kind of stop taking the game on. They just sort of yeah. let West Coast back in. and then Nathan Buckley did say that, that they lost their deer after yeah. halftime. Yeah. And then sort of something happens. It's almost a mirror image in the last quarter. Collingwood, you know, open play, fast play, gets three goals up, and then they just let West Coast in again. So I don't know. Various things there. It just 
for whatever reason, even on the day, like the the finish was absolutely epic, and I won't deny that it was a great last, you know, five minutes. It was a great last quarter. But I'm I've got a higher ceiling here. Like last five minutes doesn't make the game, and I know it was close most of the game, but I just feel like the ones I've got higher are better games and uh, more meaningful for some reason. I don't know. That's just how I feel. No, fair enough. Um, yeah, look, I, 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 I thought it was an epic game, but I do sort of see what you mean. There, there were a few moments that were, I guess, crying out for for efforts that weren't quite made. I guess as well, like if that makes any sense. I think when Darling drops that mark in the goal square yeah. later on, that that kind of sums up the game how it was, there, it, that it might have been... There were a lot of nearly moments, I guess. I guess part uh, of it also maybe is just the fact that Richmond aren't there. They are the best team all year. It just kind of felt maybe like the best team hadn't made it. And, you know, I know you've got to do it when it counts, but I don't know, just something just slightly off about this game for me. And that Collingwood might have played their grand final the week before? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, look, that, that, I definitely see where you're coming from. I definitely see where you're coming from. All right. Well, I know you're a little bit skeptical, but hopefully... No, but that's all right. That's fine. We don't have to fully agree, but I think we've got three cracking games to go through here. Top three. Yes. So let's keep going. So this is a game I actually really, really enjoyed. And I enjoy all grand finals, but this was a great game. 2011, Collingwood versus Geelong. Absolutely cracking game, Ooh. high scoring, yeah, wow. big plays, both pl- both teams playing near their best, stars everywhere. Like I just said, you know, the West yep. Coast Collingwood game, maybe not a heap of absolute stars. The stars were absolutely everywhere in this game. Yeah. Amazing. I think you've, you've led into this perfectly with that. Yeah. <laughs> Cloak draining goals from outside 50. He led the league in contested marks. This is, you know, vintage Cloak. I know there wasn't a Definitely. lot of vintage Cloak, but this is vintage Cloak. Oh, he was on. He was on. <laughs> you couldn't split the teams. First three quarters, uh, 12-6-78 to uh, 13-7-85. So Geelong with the seven-point lead there going into three-quarter time. I think just very quickly recapping it in a little bit more detail. Collingwood had the better of the first quarter, uh, first half, and... Uh, you know, Geelong kept coming, but somewhere around, you know, early in the third, perhaps, they just started getting a bit more on top in the midfield. And uh, Collingwood started getting less chances going forward, and everything just got a little bit harder for them. They managed to hang in there, but in the last quarter, the damn, well, damn wall broke, and uh, the midfield ascendancy uh, saw them run out 28-point winners, kicking five goals to none in that last quarter. So... Uber high standard for the first three quarters, and then Geelong, as a great side, can just completely broke their opposition. I'm actually really, really impressed that you rated this grand final highly, Dan, uh, because I also think this is a really, really good game. Uh, yeah, as you said, the star power was everywhere. These sides were really, really good sides. I think look, everyone probably agrees Collingwood was the best side that year. But Geelong probably weren't far off. And <laughs> they I'm sure in round 22 or 23, whatever the last round was that year, I'm sure these two teams played. And Geelong actually won it by nearly 100 points, I think. 
I'm not sure what happened, but I think maybe Colling- Collingwood had a terrible night. It was just an off night. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was it just made things very interesting. You also had the whole situation with Mick Malthouse and how he was about to do the uh, handover. Yeah, yeah. Then I think in the last month he was doing some interviews and it wasn't going too well and people could kind of see the writing on the wall. They could, they weren't stupid. They felt that, uh, yeah, he was being shafted and that and whatever. But um, yeah, this yeah this was just a, this was a great game of AFL footy. Dan, this was yeah. just a really good free flowing game with some really good goals, really good play. This was also, I guess, when uh, after a, a long period of the game being played, I guess maybe in a slightly negative way for most of it, uh, like the previous decade and that with Sydney and that. Um, this was sort of back to the yeah, just long and direct big contests it was great and some really good moments one of the moments i love is uh where when I mean, this this was the coming of age of tom hawkins yeah absolutely really. uh he was fantastic and i think i just remember anthony hudson having a famous line something like well where, where's he come from something like that and, <laughs> yeah that, that was great um there was a bit of play earlier if it was Hawkins who marked it and then Steve Johnson just asks for the handball and he plays on and yeah, he kicks it around the body like only Stevie J can. I mean, this was just this was showtime. This was just yeah, Hollywood at its best, I guess. Um who's who of footy. And uh Yeah. I, I really like this game. And uh, Varco kicking that goal in the last quarter, I think that was definitely the moment that it was, you felt that it was definitely going the way of the cats. Uh, I remember, for some re- I can't quite remember because I watched this one at home, and I can't quite remember. But I remember being in the street, and uh, I, so, for some reason, I ended up at the at the local the pub. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just remember seeing um, in the the walk down there because I. I don't, we didn't have like very good smartphones or whatever back then, so I didn't wasn't like listening to it or watching it on uh, you know Ko or whatever. But I remember seeing a Collingwood fan walking down the street, and I thought, "Oh wow, okay, <laughs> he's already either left the game <laughs> or left the pub he was watching it at." This is not a good sign. Yeah, look. Long story short, this was a great game. The final margin might have been something like thirty six points or something, but that was just it. Didn't tell the story. This was a fantastic game. Um, and full credit for choosing it at number three, I reckon. Yeah, I think if you're going to put a game in a time capsule for, you know, people to enjoy a long time in the future, this is the type of game you would put in there. Um, and for the purists as well, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find an AFL supporter who wouldn't enjoy watching this game. And Dan, this had the best pre-game entertainment of all time with Meatloaf. <laughs> Infamous meatloaf. Yeah, absolutely. Gotta get that in there. All right. We're down to two. Ooh. Okay. Twenty sixteen. Western Bulldogs versus Sydney. This is the ultimate un- underdog tale. The Western Bulldogs hadn't won a flag for fifty seven years. Had finished seventh on the ladder. Had won three knockout finals to get to this point against the Swans, who'd finished on top of the ladder and had Buddy Franklin and a litany of other stars. Nothing really came easy to the dogs on this ge- in this game, but as they want to do, they scrapped and scrapped until they broke the Swans, and finally 
this happened in the last quarter. Even in the last quarter, right down to you know the last five minutes, the game was still in jeopardy. So the Bulldogs really had to put everything into this game. And they absolutely did, riding that wave of momentum that they had through the whole final series. And we had the uh, winning play from Tom Boy that you described uh, in the other episode. Basically, just very quickly recap. Uh, Morris dispossessing Franklin with a bone-jarring tackle. Ball spills loose. Boy gathers the point of the center square, roosts it from 55, and the ball takes a dog's bounce going at right angles to go through the goals and seal the win and their first flag in 57 years. The Dogs do kick a couple of goals after that point to run out 22-point winners, but yes, uh, Sydney, very valiant opponent throughout. I remember Josh Kennedy had a massive game, goals, clearances. Uh, mm. He was the one keeping the minute, more or less. And uh, yeah, this would have been a hard one to take for Sydney supporters. They were the best team all year and just ran into an absolute white-hot Bulldogs team who manufactured goals in ways that other teams just can't. Yes. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, slightly controversial opinion on this one. I actually feel the way you feel about the 2018 Grand Final about this game. I think that this game is more about the story than the actual game. Uh, and more so the last, the second half. I actually can't remember much of the first half. Um, but it was a hard-fought game. I do think it should be up on this end. But, yeah, I, I, I think the story overshadows the actual game in this one. But that's just my take on it. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that as, like, a, you know, a contributing factor. But, yeah, I guess where it lands for me is, I was just so impressed by really what a you would almost call this Bulldogs team a bit part team in the forward line. What they were able to yeah. do and how how hard they worked for this and to break such a good team. Yeah. I know like the Sydney team wasn't, you know, they're not like a dynasty team or anything, but this was a very good team it's that they good had side. to come up against. And they did everything they could and eventually in this last quarter they they broke them. And it was a hard fought contest all the way through. And yeah, probably wasn't a whole lot of highlights. There were some, and the pressure on the ball was just immense, yeah. even f- by grand final standards. But oh, for sure, for sure. I think, yeah, it, it, it's mostly about the last quarter, and uh, there's about three plays that the Bulldogs have in this last quarter that are absolutely epic, one ending with a pick and goal after some absolutely insane yeah. forward pressure. But, uh, yeah, I can see how Great you would moments. think... From an absolute purist point of view, it's probably not the cleanest, most skillful game and maybe overrated in some spheres. Um, look, I, I will say, though, I've definitely grown more appreciation for it in recent times. I thought kind of you know, a few years after, I just, I really just thought it was about the story. And yeah, the last quarter was great, but it was just, it was really more a feel-good grand final for a lot of people. But no, I think it's definitely one of the better ones in recent times, that's for sure. But... Yeah, look, Buddy Franklin rolling his ankle early on as well. He wasn't really the same for the rest of the day. That's very true, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just felt that I felt there was a bit of a lack of star, star power in this game as well, really. But um, but that's why we have these discussions because I can yeah I can see your views from the twenty eighteen and uh, 
hopefully you can see my views in 2016. Yeah. So based on <laughs> yes. what you're saying there, I'm guessing you would have had it. You would have had the uh, Collingwood Geelong and probably also the Collingwood West Coast above this game. Uh, look. <sighs> yeah. Look, I would have had Collingwood West Coast too. Uh, I wouldn't have been disappointed if you had this three. Okay. So it's mainly four. that one. I, I think it's definitely a top four game. Yeah. Definitely. Somewhere at in the least. Top four. Yeah, it's a, it's a good grand final. It's a good grand final. All right. So I think with for a lot of the listeners out there, this is probably going to be my most controversial pick, but I think it's the one I'm probably the happiest with, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Number one, 2012, Hawks versus Swans. Oh, This is nice. the highest collective skill level I have ever witnessed in a grand final. The goals, the plays, the amount of skill on display in this game is insane. If you have off the charts. If you have not watched this game and don't remember how good this game is, go back and watch just the highlights, but probably the whole game to get the full appreciation. This is an amazing grand final. Hawthorne playing basically at their top level and the Swans going with them every step of the way and just making life basically hell for a team who's trying to cap off some grace, great recent uh, seasons and just not being able to quite get there. So it's also some crazy momentum swings in this game. And uh, I remember the Hawks basically had all the play in the first quarter, just could not convert. So they, I think they kicked two or three goals for the quarter, but they had so many points. Franklin, from memory, kicked 3-8 for the day. Um, or three goals from eight shots, that would be. So then Sydney yeah. come roaring back in the second and... Uh, momentum swings and it just it was up and down all day and just the level of skill in some of these goals for a grand final normally teams basically it's very hard to play your best in a grand final i believe because oh, yeah. Yeah. the other team is bloody good that's number one but they're also really good at stopping mm. you doing what you want to do so usually for yeah. periods of a grand final it's a bit of a scrap which is fine it's a slog it's a, slog, it's a bit yeah. of a slog sometimes, and it's just, you know, which team can get on top and then, you know, make the most of that momentum. This was played a bit differently. There was, it was just attack and counterattack, attack and counterattack. Hawks were attacking, winning clearances, Swans starting a lot of their plays from halfback, running hard. It was just a fantastic game to watch. The Swans took a one-point lead into three-quarter time. And, uh, yeah, we had the description in the other episode from you, Johnny, your number one play. Ah, sorry, was it number two or three? Number three. Number three. Um, and, uh, yeah, so with less than a minute left on the clock, stoppage deep inside uh, the Swans 50, palm down, lightning handball out from Hanabry to Melcheski and jams it on the boot and just floats and floats towards goal. And I think... One of the other absolutely amazing things about this game that puts it over the top of some of the others for me is just how unlikely this victory seemed. How good Hawthorne were, and some of the stats were just ridiculous. I actually remember seeing this game live, and I wanted Hawthorne to win so much that I actually didn't appreciate this game the first time I saw it because I was just that nervous for Hawthorne and wanting them to actually win this game and thinking, how can the Swans be hanging in there with these stats? I don't have yeah. all the numbers in front of me, but they got absolutely smashed in the inside 50s, getting smashed in the clearances, five less scoring shots. There is no way in the world Sydney should have won this game, but 
you know, magical moments yeah. from Goods and Melcheski in the last quarter. That's all they needed. A couple of crazy goals. Oh, no, they weren't crazy. You know, a couple of patented Mitch Morton snaps. And yeah, that's a good one. So that's a good one. It's just, it's just, uh, yeah, it's an upset and an upset in one of the most skillful grand finals you'd ever hope to see. Um. Out of 10 times, if this grand final was played, what do you think the ledger ends up? Uh, that's a good question. I reckon I reckon it's probably somewhere around 8-2. Yeah. Somewhere around I was that. thinking 7-3 or 8-2. Yeah, somewhere around yeah. that. Obviously Hawthorne, yeah. Yeah, so Sydney yeah. obviously pulled one out of the bag here. Like the stat yeah. sheet, teams just don't win with these set of stats in that come no. out of this game, but... Swans find a way. The Bloods culture gets it done. No. And yeah, no. Look, I'm actually really. I'm. I'm. I haven't really thought about this much of where the, you know, where I'd rank these in the last ten years or whatever. But uh, but I'm I'm okay with this being number one. I I really really like this grand final. Uh, as I said before. Uh, I might, yeah, I might have had Melchesky at number three, but that is probably my favourite personal movement that I've seen in the last 20-odd years. Uh, the Hawks really dominated periods of this game, and I am pretty sure in that last quarter, when they were 11 points up, Buddy Franklin had a shot to put him 17 in front and missed. Uh there were some great moments in this game. I'm pretty. I'm just going completely off memory here, so correct me if I'm wrong, Dan. But I'm pretty sure Dan Hannanbury also kicked a goal from the center square. Uh, Sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a great goal too. Uh, just some hard running. There was a really good. It was a great display of of running. Really, I mean, who can forget that Lewis Jetta, Surioli dash down the wing that it wouldn't have been out of place at a 100 meter final in the olympics so it was just hamstring tearing stuff <laughs> it's just amazing uh yeah it's so good there, there were some great moments in this in this grand final uh and then late in the game josh gibson just leaving adam goods just for a moment and then goodsy takes that ball and snaps through on one leg because he's been on injured. one leg <laughs> This this game has the lot. It, this game really does have the lot, and yeah, I I was really like I wouldn't have been fussed either way, but I was very happy when the Swans got it because I I did typical traditionally I do like watching the Swans play, uh, and this was just a, a great effort. They always had some of those guys who could uh, you know get the job done in these big games, um, yeah. Yeah, the guys they needed to perform were fantastic. Hannabry, Kennedy, uh, I think O'Keefe got the middle. Uh, he played a fantastic game. Uh, yeah, yep. Not disappointed, Dan. Not disappointed at all. This is a great, great pick. Good to hear, Johnny. Uh, yeah. So just one, I want to give a special mention to Franklin in this game. Obviously, he kicks a lot of points, but he is majestic in this game. <laughs> the yeah. number oh, of shots yeah. he gets, some of the. Some of the things he's doing is field kicking, the goals he kicks, but everything is just living and dying on what Franklin is doing, basically. If he kicks another goal or two, Hawthorne probably think, wins yeah. this game. I, I still had him as the most influential player on the ground, only kicking three from the eight shots um, when we did a bit of a recap in uh, old episodes of Footy Time. 
there's old episodes in the feed if you guys are interested. A whole bunch of these grand yeah. finals are there to have I'm a look at. That back. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Franklin was amazing in this game. Even though I think he was having his worst accuracy season this season, he was just over fifty percent. So it kind of made sense that he struggled to convert in the biggest game. Yeah, yeah, but he was he was everywhere. He was he was everywhere, and uh, yeah. Um, do you buy into the talk that the move to Sydney was engineered after this game? Is this where it started? There? <laughs> do you believe those rumors? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was well advanced by before that. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice sentiment, isn't it? The fact that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, look, you know, it's fun to think about, isn't it? Fun <laughs> to think about. Uh, also, uh, just, you know, to touch on this, uh, obviously with the uh, success of the pre-game entertainment the year before, uh, the AFL decided to go a little bit more conservative this year, and I'm pretty sure they had Paul Kelly performing three games. So a nice, solid option. Paul Kelly and Tim Rogers, I think it was, yes. Absolutely. Uh, yes. All right, so maybe just to finish off here, Johnny, uh, maybe just let listeners know what your number one would have been, and we'll leave it there. Uh, well, honestly, I'm I'm happy with the, the number one that you chose, Dan. I, I, I think this was a really, really good grand final, and... Yeah, I, I would like to watch it again. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of people... We'll, we'll just touch on the 2018 again. A lot of people do rate this very highly, I guess. Um, and some I've noticed out there... Right, this is number one for the best grand final in the modern era or 10 years, 15 years, whatever. I think, I think I'd end with you to a point where I probably wouldn't have it quite at number one. I, I would have this probably around two... At least three, but I don't think this is quite number one. Um, so I would probably have that at two, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it'd be a toss-up between Collingwood Geelong and Bulldog Sydney at three. Yeah. Then everything after that, honestly, it's just, yeah, horses for courses. <laughs> whatever, whatever turns your crank, I guess. Yeah, the top five but, is um, where it's at here. Yeah, yeah, but... uh. Yeah, I think this was a very good list. I enjoyed it a lot, and I don't have much wrong with it. Awesome. Well, uh, we've done plenty of uh, footy time content this week, so hopefully you guys enjoy going down memory lane here. And, uh, yeah, what better way to lead into another grand final and uh, see what happens in the weekend, I guess. Go Dees. Go Dees. (laughs) Thanks for joining me again, Johnny, and uh, have a good weekend, eh? Yep, always a pleasure. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye for now.